Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Friday, January 27th. It is six minutes after nine and you're listening to the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. His name is Rob Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels and we're glad you're here this morning. Congratulations. You made it. Give yourself a pat on the back. It's Friday. And we start off talking about what's going on with the Republican Party. The Republican National Committee members are selecting a new chair or perhaps reselecting the same old chair. The chairwoman, Ronna McDaniel, she's running for her fourth term. She is the favorite in the election, but she does face a couple challengers. One is Harmeet Dillon, and there's the other long shot, which is the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell. Okay, let me be abundantly clear, um, as I can be at the start of this segment. I would take anyone over Mitt Romney's, I think it's his niece, Ronna McDaniel. Like, I mean anyone. I mean, if it were Ronna McDaniel, the aged tater tot, <laughs> I would take the aged tater tot. Because Ronna McDaniel mm-hmm. has repeatedly proven mm-hmm. that she cannot win, which makes sense because I think, again, she's related to Mitt Romney, who is also a total zero. And so we have seen loss after loss after loss, 18, 20, 22, mm-hmm. loss after loss after loss with her leading the party. Yet, and this is the most Republican thing ever. I mean, look. Look at what the Republicans have done. Total underperformance in the midterms, total lack of vision, total lack of connection with voters. What do they do? Mitch McConnell rehired. Yeah. Jim Banks, best friend, Kevin McCarthy, put in charge. And why wouldn't they just complete the trivecta here and put the woman in who loses election after election after election? That's what Republicans like to do. They like to lose. It's someone familiar, right? They know her. She does have a lot of support. Over half of the 168 voters are saying they're going to go with her. And she will meet the threshold required to clinch re-election. But a lot of people saying that somebody else should be selected. She um, is they're having this leadership meeting at the Waldorf Astoria. And some people are saying, wow, out of touch. Yeah, no I mean, that's like a really swanky place, right? And the Republican Party is going in a different direction. And maybe... That's it. She's not in touch with the voters that they're trying to connect with. But but none of these people are, right? I mean, I mean almost none of them. Almost none of them and for the for the most part the people that are meeting at the, or putting together this sort of meeting are not, right? These people are Washington elitists. Mm-hmm. You have to get this idea of good guy bad guy, Republican, Democrat, white hat, black hat out of your mind. These people are almost all exactly the same. They are in it for themselves. They are in it for their their own benefit. They are in it for their own enrichment. They don't care about you. These people care about the Ronna McDaniels, the Mitch McConnells, the Kevin McCarthys care about protecting the Republican shield because the Republican shield, not what the Republican Party expresses to stand for and following through on that based on your party platform, but getting Republicans elected and empowering themselves is all they care about, which is why they never do anything when they're in power. Okay, well, what about this long shot? 
the my pillow guy, Mike Lindell. <laughs> is he serious? Does he really want the job, or is he just trying to agitate? Here's why I like Mike Lindell. Okay, because I think Harmeet Dillon, and we'll play this Ron DeSantis audio here in just a moment. Kind of not actually endorsing her, but kind of endorsing her. Um, is the one that's the actual probably challenger to to Ron McDaniel. I like the my pillow guy because I feel like the my pillow guy running for party chair is how. I would be if I ever am, uh, can be convinced to run for governor. Uh, yeah, if you win, that'd be great. But you're actually there just to make the people you don't like as miserable as possible and cause as much of an epic disturbance as possible. And hey, if you get lucky and win, well, that's just the icing on the cake. Okay. And what about this Harmeet Dillon? So she's interesting. She is definitely the conservative choice. She has worked kind of inside the system. She has been a national committee woman. She's from California, which is interesting. Um, She's been vice chair of the Republican uh, Party in California. So she is of the three. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody thinks the the my pillow guy is actually going to be the republican party chair of somebody who can probably work and maneuver inside the system she is probably the the most likely to be elected to be a real challenger now ron desantis mm-hmm. uh did an interview with charlie kirk the other day yeah. and look this this is why i love ron desantis ron desantis is not afraid to say the things ron desantis does not care and he on this one whether it's masks or it's vaccines or it's freedom and liberty or the republican party chair said the things that need to be said well we've had three substandard election cycles in a row 18 20 and 22 and i would say of all three of those 22 was probably the worst given the the political environment of a very unpopular president biden huge majorities of the people think the country's going in the wrong direction that is an environment that's tailor-made to make big gains in the house and the senate and state house state houses all across the country and yet that didn't happen and in fact we even lost ground in the u.s senate and so you know i think we need uh, a change i think we need to get some new blood in the rnc uh, i like what harmeet Dillon has said about getting the rnc out of dc why would you want to have your head headquarters in the most Democrat city in America. It's more Democrat than San Francisco is. So I think you get it in real parts of the country. You attract people who want to who want to live in those parts of the country, not D.C. insiders. But I do think we need some fresh thinking. And I here's the thing, just just practically speaking, you need grassroots Republicans to power this organization with volunteering and donations. I think it's going to be very difficult to energize people to want to give money, to want to volunteer their time with the RNC if they don't see a change in direction. Uh, he is. OK, so what, let me just say this. The one thing that uh, bothers me about Ron DeSantis is his voice. I know. I do not like his voice. Yeah, you've said that for a while. Okay. Other than that, I think, you know, a plus candidate. Uh but he's right. There, there is zero reason for people like me to want to help the Republican Party. Now, look, I'm sure the feeling's mutual. If you march down the street there to 200 West Washington, and those people are more than happy for me not to be involved. But the reality <laughs> is, because it's not going to matter in Indiana, right? The Democrats here are so horrific and can't get out of their own way that these clowns, no matter how many taxes they raise or problems they don't solve or cronies they benefit at the expense of the taxpayers, can't be defeated, and they know it. And that's all the fault of the Democrats. But nationally, in the states where the vote 
matters, right? These swing states. Mm -hmm. Election after election, you see people like me who in the majority of races will sit it out because the Republicans are not offering anything to regular people. Well, and you know what? That's Ron DeSantis went on to say that the RNC needs to be less consultant driven. And I wholeheartedly agree. Too many people just don't go with their gut. They're going with what the consultant yeah. says and how we're going to do this and we're going to do that and the polls and the results. And consultants don't pr- produce results. And they're not even offering up a clear, concise message. Meanwhile, the Democrats have that. And they they bang it over our heads constantly. And why are we not taking that lead? You know, that's such an interesting point, Casey, because I talked about, uh, what was it? Was it earlier this week when I had that meeting with Eric Doden, who's running for mm-hmm. governor? And we said, hey, it was very nice of him. We ripped him on this show. And he said, I want to know more. Yeah. And that's so interesting you say that because, again, I'm not going to get into the details of what we talked about. But I gave him a path by mm-hmm. which if he did the things I told him to do, he would be the Republican nominee for governor because he has enough money to enact the game plan. Now, what I told him to do is probably going to be the exact opposite of what the consultant class Mm -hmm. told him to do. And I, and I have a, I have a suspicion I'm going to lose out, but I also have a suspicion he not going to be the Republican nominee for governor. We'll see. Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised, but you are so spot on with that because these consultants who are robotic stooges are operating in a theoretical, hypothetical world Mm -hmm. rather than being in touch with where the people actually are. People are looking for something big. They're looking for something bold. They're looking for someone who cares about them. Yeah, absolutely. And when it comes to ballot harvesting and also early in-person voting, you know what? If it's legal, the Democrats are doing it. Well, why aren't the Republicans? They should embrace it uh, as well. Okay, let's take a break because you hit on a great point about how the Republicans are not and the consultant class are not representing the people. And there is some new data out on Kevin McCarthy mm-hmm. in which Jim Banks and the entire Republican delegation, I guess, maybe kind of, sort of, other than President Victoria Sparts, but we don't give her any credit for that, went, went to the mat mm-hmm. for this guy, as did the majority of Republicans. There's some really interesting data out on Kevin McCarthy that totally proves your point. All right, it's coming up. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Casey on 93 WIBC. It is 18 minutes after nine. Let's take a look at some trending stories. What's trending today? Who day? Yes. Cincinnati Bengals, they're taking over. Apparently, across America, the majority of people are rooting for the Bengals. And this is based on geotag Twitter data and also fan hashtags. Of course, hashtag who day is trending. Also trending, Billy Packer. He's an Emmy award-winning college basketball broadcaster. He covered 34 Final Four games for NBC and CBS. He passed away yesterday. He was 82 years old. You know, Billy Packer actually has a pretty interesting, um, many of our... uh, 
not older necessarily, but more aged listeners mm-hmm. may recall it because Billy Packer had a very interesting uh, moment in Indiana history. He was a broadcaster, and so he was a national broadcaster in 1978-79 when Larry Bird's Indiana State team went to uh, was undefeated the entire year, went all the way to the national championship game, and ultimately lost to Magic Johnson. And Billy Packer and a guy by the name of Al McGuire, who was also a ver- another very prominent broadcaster, sparred openly about whether the Indiana State team was legit. And uh, because Indiana State people said this is incredible guy Larry Bird and he's a bunch of these also rans and so they're not a legitimate team. Mm-hmm. They you know they should never be number one. They will be bounced out early in the tournament. And Billy Packer was basically adamant that Indiana State was not a legitimate team, and Al McGuire was adamant that they were, mm-hmm. and that became for years and years and years people in Terre Haute were not overly fond, I believe, of Billy, oh, Billy Packer, Packer because he was not we, we you know, in his, champion the home team. In his expert opinion, you know, yeah. uh, and obviously that was ultimately incorrect, but yes, a very prominent uh, national figure in the game of college basketball. Lastly, trending is Chipotle. They're looking to hire 15,000 new employees. It's the first time the Jeez. restaurant, yeah, they, they're experiencing some labor shortages and they're beginning to uh, staff up. It's 20 minutes after nine. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And let's talk about this new poll. It came out from CNN and the poll found out that only 27% of adults believe that Republican leaders in the House have the right priorities so far. said that the GOP leaders are not focused on the most important problems. And also the part of this that was most interesting to me is that Kevin McCarthy was Mm -hmm. seen favorably by only 19% of those surveyed and double that had an unfavorable opinion of him. So this is what's interesting, right? You saw the Republicans, Jim Banks and then the rest of the Indiana Republican delegation totally go to the mat for this guy 15 times. Mm -hmm. And it is another example of the Republicans not understanding or appreciating, or let's face it, caring about where the American people are and what they want. Mm -hmm. The Republicans could have made the Kevin McCarthy thing so much easier. It didn't have to be the way that it was, but they fought all the stuff that the people who actually care about the country wanted. And then when they get done, you have people like Jim Banks going out there going, well, it's so great that we got all these concessions and look at how uh, magnanimous and endearing Kevin McCarthy was. Kevin McCarthy went kicking and screaming on those concessions. The only reason he gave them was because he would have not had the votes to be the Speaker of the House without them. And it's another example of the Republican Party as a collective being out of touch with where the people are, which is why you don't win these swing state elections, because you don't talk about and articulate the things people care about. Now, I didn't look at the date on this poll. I assume it was pretty recent. But did they ask what are the priorities for Americans? Because if you're sitting here saying, well, you know, only 27% say that they have the priorities straight. Well, what are your priorities? Because what I see, the Republicans, they're investigating Fauci, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden. They're fighting over the debt ceiling. They're talking about impeaching Mayorkas. And it was the last House of Representatives that passed the $1.7 trillion omnibus package. So was this 
an old group that was asked, or is this current? Well, but but he, but this is Casey. Yeah, you know of all the things on this show, the thing that just absolutely I hate the most <laughs> is when I have to go on these very powerful airwaves, mm-hmm. which you can hear from. Ohio to Illinois and all points in between. And look, I'm told all the time no one's listening. So I don't know if anyone is actually listening. But the fact that I have to come on here and tell you when I'm right, you know, I just I hate having to do that. (laughs) Please. What have I been telling you, though, for months now on this show, including when the Republicans were running and and saying they are not going to be as successful as they think if this is their their message. Investigating other people is fine. Sure. People may want that. And I think some polling has shown that investigating Biden is certainly the American people ex- expect that. And now it appears investigating Fauci may be something the American people are way more open to than before. But that is not a policy. It does not make someone else's life better. It does not make food mm-hmm. less expensive. It does not fix supply chain issues. It does not make gas less, less expensive. It does not fix the border. It doesn't do any of the things. And so when the Republicans are running, we're going to investigate Biden. Well, to the average guy who's working, you know, a nine to five job in a factory. Your day to day existence, that doesn't affect. Exactly. It. Yeah. And, and again, the radio guy mm-hmm. should not be more into. Uh, well, I mean, he shouldn't be, but I am because we actually listen to people like our whole job is to interact, basically, you know, talk about things that our audience is interested in. And we know this. The Republicans should know this, too, but apparently they don't because they still don't have a game plan. They offer nothing, and when you offer nothing, people, if you try to out Santa Claus Santa Claus, you're never going to out Santa Claus Santa Claus, and people are always going to vote for Santa Claus. Okay, let's talk about what's going on with this judicial nominee (laughs) that President Biden had, and who was apparently stumped by Senator John Kennedy. He was asking some basic questions about the Constitution, and... She didn't know. Yes. Yeah, so uh, her name, I believe, is Charnel, and I'm going to totally, I'm going to spell it because I'm totally going to butcher this. I believe it's Belkengren. Yes. You're the wordsmith more I, than I, I am. I think you've got it. It's. I'm going to spell this so people know. Oh, the broadcaster's being lazy. You try this one. B-J-E-L-K-E-N-G-R-E-N. Yeah. Okay. So whatever. She is a judge <laughs> nominated for a district court, federal district court in Washington state. Mm-hmm. And um, this, is, this is so good because these are the people that Biden nominates. So think about this, Casey. This woman's job is to her literal job is to enforce the constitution and in this hearing right here she admits she is completely clueless about two pretty prominent parts of the u.s constitution the the article five and article two two. article two five is how you alter the constitution Mm -hmm. and then article two is amongst other things who is eligible for the office of the presidency, amongst other things. Right. It establishes the executive branch of the federal government. It's not like it's an obscure thing, but even if it was, that is your job as a judge. It would be like uh, Rob Kendall is a candidate when I was a candidate for this radio station. Rob Kendall, how do you turn on a microphone? I don't know. <laughs> Rob Kendall, how do you work the software by which we record commercials and, and edit audio? And every, I don't know. Listen to this. These are the people Joe Biden is nominating for the federal bench. Um, judge on the far end, uh, tell, tell me what Article 5 of the Constitution does. 
Article 5 is not coming to mind at the moment. Okay. How about Article 2? Neither is Article 2. Okay. Now he's scratching his head. Hmm. He's going to try something else here. Do you know what purposivism is? Um, in my 12 years as an assistant attorney general huh? and my nine years serving as a judge, I was not faced with that precise question. Um, we are the highest trial court in Washington state, so I'm frequently faced with um, issues that I'm not familiar with, and I thoroughly review the law, our research, and apply the law to the facts presented to me. Well, you're going to be faced with it as a, if you're confirmed. You're I can assure have. you of that. So, so you're going to have per, to know. For those of you who don't know, and you you shouldn't again, if you're unless you're a lawyer mm -hmm. who wants to be on a federal bench, I'm going to just give you the definition of purposivism because it is fairly prominent in legal theory, and you should know this. Any of various theories of nature or of human and animal behavior that regard purpose or conscious intent as a basal fact. So, what 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 he proved there is this woman has no idea the actual things she's supposed to know and do as her job, mm -hmm. and she will, just like Katanji Brown-Jackson on the Supreme Court, be totally winging it and making it up as she goes along based on whatever political belief that she has on the case in front of her. Well, he has actually stopped nominees from being confirmed before with his questioning, but if she gets all of the Democratic votes on the Senate Judiciary Committee, she will be confirmed. But this is the exact type of thing that the Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton said that he would not approve if he didn't get to see those classified documents from Biden. All right. Hey, we got to get to a break. Yeah. But when we come back, mm -hmm. there was a there is an article out in the D.C. Journal that is about how Hoosiers are feeling about Mike Pence and a potential presidential run. And they asked me yeah. to be a part of this article. Yes. And you know how I hate to say anything about Mike Pence. And I just they just they kept had to asking. Drag, well, I know, they, they had to did. drag it out of you, and twist your arm. So I said some things. Yeah. So we're going to have the author, uh, <laughs> Margaret Mengi, who wrote the piece, will be with us to talk about the article. All right, that's on the way from 93 WIBC. WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob. Casey's here. And you know, Casey, I got asked to do something uh, last week. And well, I felt I really owed it to society to participate. <laughs> Expressing your opinion on someone. Well, I, I was really hesitant to do it because uh, I was approached uh, on an article about Mike Pence. And mm -hmm. you know, I hate to give my opinion on Mike Pence. Wait a minute. That doesn't sound right. You're right. That's not how it is at all. I love to give my opinion on Mike Pence. And the article is now out for people to be able to read. It's really an interesting article. It is about how people in Indiana mm -hmm. are feeling about a potential Mike Pence presidential run. The title of the article is Home Folks Not Sold on Nice Guy Mike Pence. It is now in the D.C. Journal. You can find it at dcjournal.com. The author of the piece is Margaret Mengi, and she joins us now on the drivehubler.com hotline. Margaret, tell us about this piece you wrote about Mike Pence and what you learned from Hoosiers. 
Hi, Rob. Good morning. Yeah. Um, you know, no one had done a piece like this. And what I wanted to do in particular was to find out how Indiana Republicans, uh, what Indiana Republicans think about Mike Pence. You know, and I think outside of Indiana, uh, especially like on the East Coast, people think, oh, Indiana's, you know, really conservative. And Mike Mike Pence is really, really super, super conservative. So they must love him, you know, back in his home state. And um I was. Uh, I moved back here in 2017. I wasn't here while he was governor, so just moving back here in 2017 and starting to talk to people, I, I have to say I was kind of shocked by what people said about Pence. I really was. Well, and, and they said, "Oh no, he's a terrible governor." I said, "What, really?" <laughs> said, oh yeah, let me tell you. And so I thought, "Hey, there's this whole story about what Indiana Republicans really think about Mike Pence, and this story has not been told." So I wanted to tell it. Okay, so so tell us a little bit again. The article, the title of the article is "Home Folks Not Sold on Nice Guy Mike Pence." It's in the DC Journal. You can find it at dcjournal.com. Uh, obviously, folks, know, and I don't think I told you anything that I haven't said on this. Uh, radio show before but tell us kind of what the overarching theme was because you talked to people from a variety of backgrounds you kind of talked to regular folks you talked to people that are party insiders you talked to people like me what did you come up with well you know everyone i talked to and i did pick people who i knew were moderate more moderate Republicans, and then some other people who I knew were really conservative. So I tried to get, you know, a a range of of people. And some of them were, you know, people who had been very active officially with the Republican Party um, over a lot of years, and some not. One was uh, the owner of Rocky's Pizza down here in Bloomington, who's, he's never run for office. You know, he owns a pizza parlor, but, um, you know, and he's just really a a regular guy um, who's who's pretty conservative. Um, But what I what I found time and time again was people being incredibly forthcoming and brutally honest <laughs> to the point that it shocked me, really, because a lot of these people, you know, I think 20 years ago wouldn't have said a negative word about, you know, another Repo- a Republican office holder in Indiana and our former vice president. They just wouldn't have said anything negative because it was, you got to be nice. We're, you know, we're Indiana and you don't speak ill of another Republican. That was always the Ronald Reagan's dictate. Um, and that held for a long time. I think that's out the window now. I think we're in a whole new era because again and again, people told me, uh, Pence is nothing. He's not on my short, he's on my short list, but maybe, but, um, we really want someone else as president in 2024. Um, even in his hometown, even a woman who went to high school with Mike Pence and said he's the nicest guy in the world, said he would not be my top choice for president in 2024. I know him and I like him. But I'd rather have someone else, specifically DeSantis, is what she'd said. Yeah. So Margaret Mengi is our guest. She has a new piece out in the D.C. Journal called Home Folks, Not Sold on Nice Guy Mike Pence. You can find it at dcjournal.com. So when when you are talking to people, is do they give you a reason? Is there an overarching theme? Like, you know, I, as I told you, I found the guy, you know, working under him as pharmacy board director and then, you know, various other when I worked at state auditor's office. I found the guy to be highly fraudulent. So my thing is like a direct mm. a direct experience with the guy in terms of his his actual nuts and bolts of governance. Were, were the other people you talked to, was there some sort of overarching theme about why they didn't want Mike Pence? 
Well, what I heard time and time again is he did nothing as governor. He did not. He accomplished nothing as governor. See, it wasn't just me, Casey. Everybody else thinks it too. <laughs> no, it's it's Rob. You know, I don't know if that's you calling it to people's attention. You know, and I do think that that you know people listen to the show and 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 hear you talk, and I think find what you say really compelling, or or you're reminding people of something. But I think people are also thinking back on you know those four years of Indiana under under Pence and realizing nothing. He really didn't do anything. He really didn't do anything. And and also on, on REFRA, um, backing down on it. Mm. You know, if you talk to Indiana Republicans, they don't like people who back down. They say, if you believe in something, you should stand by that and you should stick to it no matter no matter what, no matter what kind of national media onslaught. And he did get beaten up over that. I remember it was a huge national furor. But um, people told me time and again, he should have stuck to what he to what he said and and stuck with what he believed and they really don't respect him that he backed down so so I thought that was really interesting um, yeah and and what I heard time and again from people was um, that that Trump was this extraordinary president and. Pence doesn't really offer anything in comparison. He just doesn't offer anything. And and so that was um, that was uh, really interesting. And it was interesting to hear that even from people who have met him and know him personally, like Rocky Rice, who owns a pizza parlor down here in Bloomington, who rode horses with Mike mm-hmm. Pence for two hours on a trail. I guess Pence is a big horseman. I didn't really realize it. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, and so you would think that, that someone who has spent that kind of time with him would, um, you know, maybe, you know, not want to say anything negative, but uh, but it wasn't the case. I mean, Rocky really didn't hold back. He said he was a, he's a backpedaler. He backpedaled on his beliefs with Refra, and he gave in. And then also, um, you know, most people say, well, he, he did an okay job as vice president, mostly because, you know, he was just kind of... The nice, nice-looking guy standing next to Trump at, at events. He didn't do too much, but at the end, um, several people did say that um, they thought he turned his back on on Donald Trump at the end, and and um, you know, and they said, well, what what does that mean? What's he going to do to us if he would turn his back and? Betray yeah. his boss, you know. What is he going to do to the electorate? And uh, and so, and I think that's a valid question. I mean, um, you well, know, Republicans in Indiana are looking for something else. I think it's really a new a new day because years ago, I don't think anyone would have said a negative word about you know the most well known Indiana. Well, elected official. Margaret Mengi's our guest. She is with the DC Journal, has a new piece out entitled, and I love the title is Home Folks Not Sold on Nice Guy Mike Pence. Casey, go ahead. So my question for you, Margaret, you said you talked with Rocky Rice and he was the pizza shop homeowner who rode the horses with Pence. And when he was commenting about Rifra, Pence's answer was that's politics. Did that surprise you? Well, it you know it sounds so casual. It it kind of it kind of did, and I'm imagining the two of them riding horses and Mike Pence just shrugging and saying that's politics. I I have to think that a young Mike Pence who was itching to get into politics years ago um, would not have said something like that. I I think what he imagined the political career career he imagined for himself. Um, was very different. I think he imagined himself as someone who was going to be a fighter, and something changed. Mm-hmm. Something changed, right? I mean, he sold out. I think Pence 
was trying for years and is probably still trying to some extent to model himself on Ronald Reagan. Well, Reagan, you know, launched this crusade against communism that started when he was very young and Reagan never let up and Reagan never would have shrugged and said that's politics when it came to a fight like that that was so fundamental, that was about fundamental beliefs, that was a, a, a fight of the century and, and won it and he, and he followed through and he won it. And Pence, in comparison, on this huge social issues bill, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, um, he gave in. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, and, and we, we, shrugs and says that's politics. We got about a minute left, Casey. Go ahead, uh, Margaret. So you talked to Rob, and obviously anybody who listens to WIBC knows Rob Kendall's feelings on Mike Pence. <laughs> but you also talked to Chris Calloway, former GOP chairman of Monroe County, and you also spoke with Amy Rainey, who ran for state legislature out of Elkhart. So you've got Southern Indiana. Central Indiana and then even Northern Indiana represented within this article. Were you surprised that across the entire state, north to south, you were getting these same feelings? I was. I was because, um, you, you know, you would think that things change a little bit as you as you go north to south. But um, this seemed to be a consensus opinion it, it seemed to be everyone I was asking. Now, you know, I'm I'm sure you know there are people out there who would love to see Mike Pence, um, you know, run for president in 2024 and, and get the nomination. I just didn't find them. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they're out there. No, really, I'm sure they're out there. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm sure they're out there. It's just. No one that I talked to said that. So, um, so I, I really, I think, I think maybe I don't know. Yeah. You know, maybe hey. there is kind of a consensus here. All right, Margaret Mengi, uh, the article you can read it now over at dcjournal.com. Home folks, not sold on nice guy Mike Pence. Uh, thank you for letting me be a part of the article. Uh, really loved reading it and uh, and love your for work. Being so forthcoming. Uh, with your comments, I appreciate <laughs> it. Try it out of me, Margaret. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Take care. Bye, Casey. Thanks, Margaret. She was surprised that you were forthcoming, Rob. <laughs> uh, Casey, real quick, can I just read my favorite part of my quote in this article? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I hate to toot my own horn, but I was pretty proud of this. I think you were kind of proud of me, too. Yeah. All right, I'm going to read you directly from the article. Yeah, but Mike Pence doesn't do a job in the sense where, like, he produces things, Kendall said. If you told Mike Pence he had to turn a profit on a Wendy's near a crowded interstate for a week, I don't think he could do it as soon as i read the line that said applicable skill set <laughs> i knew that was a direct quote from you rob kendall all right well it is kendall and casey it's 93 wibc whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about Kaskali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you It's 949. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Rob, let's talk about what's going on with this guy from Louisiana. This story, I, I don't know. You put this on the template, and after I read the article, it really gave me the heebie-jeebies. Uh, it's a it's a psychotic world out there right now, and, and I, I fear for young people because if they are not properly parented mm-hmm. and are not taught common sense and the way to do things and the way to vet people and the proper process of vetting people there are some really 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 scary disgusting people out there that just just 
they're just evil, villainous people who want to harm others. Yeah, well, this guy's definitely disturbed. He's a 21-year-old guy from Louisiana. He was sentenced to 45 years in prison after he plotted a Jeffrey Dahmer-like scheme to meet men on Grinder and then kill them. So Grinder is an application by mm-hmm. which is it homosexual men mm-hmm. is that it mm-hmm. they meet up for mm-hmm. i guess I, I think the premise is not like i want a date i think the premise is what they for hooking Just to up. Hook up is that kevin i'm not saying you would know for any reason other than you're a young person is that the premise of grinder i think so okay perfect thank you that's good enough for me so <laughs> this guy he apparently met up with his what his interest and after they met yeah, on the app that's fair okay after they met on the app uh he drove him to an abandoned house pulled out a handgun forced him to put on handcuffs and then he tried to kill him so what he did was he he strangled him put his body in the bathtub hit him in the head with a hammer stabbed him in the neck with icicles the guy went into a coma ended up surviving but the defendant called 911 on himself like yeah. got to the point where he nearly killed the guy mm-hmm. and then decided to turn himself in i mean this is just such a gross story it just makes me so uneasy well and this is the thing right so whether it is grinder i mean obviously there's a million different dating applications i don't know how pe- i don't first of all i don't know why people are on there because like if here was the theory that I always used to have about meeting women in bars too. And now I think it applies to social media. If you meet, I always used to say that if you meet a woman in a bar, there's a reason that woman is in a bar. Mm -hmm. Let's face it, Casey, you're a good looking, successful woman. I'm guessing you didn't have to prowl around area bars in order to meet men. Good looking, successful women have their pick of good looking, successful men. Same thing here, I would think, with the applications. If you're a good-looking, successful woman, or in this case, a man who was looking for another man, I wouldn't think Mm -hmm. that you would need a dating application to find a reasonable partner. It doesn't seem to me that any of these dating apps are really successful. I mean, I'd like to hear from a couple that met on a dating app and it's lasted longer than three years. I mean, they Two are years, they, one year. They are out there. I mean, it it does happen, but I don't think it's like on Grinder. Like I don't, I don't, right. I don't know. Maybe there are some people on Tinder that it has worked out for them. But I would guess that the success rate of, as you said, a relationship. Let's just pick a number of three years or more. Mm-hmm. One hundred and twenty days is okay. Three months or more. Yeah. Four months or more. Not very high mm-hmm. because. There is something to be said about I I meet this person, you you know this, and this is again, it's going to sound like a night sappy nineteen seventies love song. But there is something about the enthusiasm of meeting a new person. There is something about the enthusiasm of learning about a new person, and then there is something about the energy associated with I have met this person, I've learned about this person now. Can I see myself mm-hmm. having some sort of long-term, meaningful interactions, plural, with this person? Yeah, well, that's the 120-day threshold. Yes. And to me, that has totally gone out the window now, right? Like, it is all about, you know, just instantaneous quick, just gratification, the, right? Right, just the quick and, and so, as such, you have lunatics like this mm-hmm. who recognize 
there are people who are apt to probably make poor choices with their online behavior mm -hmm. as it relates to meeting and hanging out with people. It may seem like some harmless fun in the beginning, but there's a lot of risks with sure. these dating apps because you don't know who really is on the other side no, you're absolutely right. of the phone. And it's brought an entire new subcategory of lawyers, dating app assault attorneys. The who's? Dating app assault attorneys. Yeah, it's an entire new subcategory. Well, there's an attorney for everything, so that probably right? seems about right. But here's the thing. Because of the Communications and Decency Act, it shields all these dating apps from any liability of what their yeah. users do online. So the apps are never accountable. Well, that's an, but that's an interesting thing, though, Casey, because really, let's face it, if you are an adult, you you know the rules of the road, right? Like, you know there are crazy people in this world. If you are, eight, you know, whatever the, I guess I'm guessing it's 18 and up, and some may be 21 and up, 18, 21, whatever, mm -hmm. you are an adult. If you can drive an automobile and risk killing other people, if you can vote, if you can fight for your country, if you can drink a beer, smoke a cigarette, whatever, you should know the rules of the road that there are absolute maniacs who want to harm other people out there in this world. And part of that then becomes the vetting process. But we are eliminating because people have no discipline mm -hmm. and are in the instant gratification society by which they are eliminating any sort of vetting, which means, hey, I have met you. I would then like to meet <laughs> you for lunch one day, mm -hmm. or I would like to meet you at five o'clock at a crowded restaurant, yeah. Why? by which we both in the sunlight mm -hmm. or sunshine mm -hmm. go our separate ways and then we both make a you know uh, a well thought through decision would we like to interact again yeah that doesn't seem to be happening very much anymore i'm so naive when it comes to all of this and i'll admit that uh, because there's a lot of these different apps out there and they all have their own personality you know you've got Tinder and Hinge and Bumble and eHarmony and Match hinge? and what is Ashley a... Madison. I mean, they all mean different things. Kurt, darling, do you know what a Hinge is? I used Hinge for a while before. How'd it go? Um, it, it's it's kind of like instead of just liking the person outright, you like certain bits and pieces about their profile, and that's how you can match up with them. So it kind of like refines it a little bit. I think there needs to be a dating app based on Google search history. <laughs> You're looking that up, too? We should get together and discuss. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Good morning.